Jeff Schneider's days were a blur. He'd wake up in front of his computer screen in a basement office that sometimes doubled as a bedroom. A yawn, a snack, another project. His business, Marketing Ninjas, an inbound marketing firm, was on the edge of failure. Jeff was putting everything he had into it and only getting chaos in return. For his 80 hours a week, he had barely enough money to pay his bills and a marriage crumbling from neglect. Even family was saying, okay, it's time to pack it in. What was bouncing around my head was, I'll show you. I'll show you. I'll do this. You watch. He was stuck. He didn't know how he was going to get out of the hole he was in, let alone find the time to do it. He had big dreams, but he had no clue how to grow and no time to think about it. In December 2012, Jeff started working with his coach, Mary Reidman, to turn things around. He committed 20% of his revenues toward coaching and laid himself at the mercy of the process. Step by step, they worked together to tackle the chaos that was his business. But I kept saying to myself, I'm like, right now I'm a total slave to my business, total slave to my business. And if I ever want to get it to the point where my business is serving me, I know I got to start at the foundation. You can't build a skyscraper on a sandy beach. You have to have a solid concrete foundation. Now, nobody loves Mondays more than Jeff. He has a real office with seven employees and is earning nine times as much as he was before, all with a smaller group of deeply engaged clients. But it isn't just that Jeff's business is better. It's that his entire life has changed. This is the story of how he did it. I'll be talking with Jeff and his coach, Mary Reidman, on this month's episode of On It, a production by Emit. This is On It, the podcast where you hear from business owners like you how starting to work on it and not in it transform their business from something they were working for into something that's working for them. I'm your host, Martin Kamensky, CEO of Emith, the business coaching company behind this podcast. We're interviewing our clients and the coaches who help them transform their business from the ground up. You can always schedule a free session with an Emith coach at emith.com slash free session. That's E-M-Y-T-H dot com slash free session. If you're resonating with these stories at all and would love to see change like this happening in your life, it's a great chance to experience what coaching is like. Today, I'm on the line with Jeff Schneider and his coach, Mary Reidman. Jeff's the CEO of Marketing Ninjas, an inbound marketing firm. And this show, this episode is a special one. We're going to go deep into Jeff's turnaround story from almost failing working in his basement to the point where he's growing to seven employees strong with 9x revenue growth. We're going to get into some of his behaviors and patterns that were keeping him stuck how he started focusing on the right product mix and the right customers, defined a repeatable customer experience through his brand commitment, and how he tackled building a culture that was really meaningful for him and his employees. So thanks so much, Jeff and Mary, for being here. Great to be here. Hello, everyone. Yes, thanks for having me. It's an honor. Jeff, could you describe for us how things were in your business and your life back when you started working with Mary? To be honest, when you asked me that, 
I get shivers because I was just coming out of the darkest place I'd ever been in my life. Um, about six months, six months prior to that, uh, my wife and I had separated and, and that just gives you an idea of how much chaos was going on in my life. And I had actually decided, uh, amidst all that to walk away from my business, shut it down, close the doors and go and find a job. And I don't know, call it fate, call it, you know, divinity or the universe, whatever you want to call it. I could not get hired. <laughs> Jobs perfectly <laughs> lined up for myself with my skill set and I'd get all the way through to the end of, of the final interview and someone else would beat me to it. And so by default, I kept coming back to my business and thought, you know, hey, I got to make money. I have to make money to survive. So I, I'm mm-hmm. going to, while I'm trying to find a job, I got to keep this business going. And bit by bit, uh, you know, week after week, new contracts would pop up. And I got to the point where I was, I was keeping my head above water, uh, keeping the wolves away from the door. And I thought, okay, well, I tried the job route and I gave it an honest shot and I just, I couldn't get hired. So maybe this is just, it's just fate or destiny that I need to get my business out of this hole. And I got to the point where I think I was bringing in about $5,000 a month in revenue. And I said, I'm going to put 20% of that into coaching. And that was a, (laughs) it was a big (laughs) commitment. Um, but man, oh man, am I ever glad that I did that. And, and, uh, just, it was an immediate value. So you, you said, I'm going to put it all on the line, make a huge investment out of, out of your capital in this relationship with coaching. Was it an easy thing to fall into at first? Did you have, did you have the space and time to work with Mary? I, I absolutely didn't. Um, I mean, I was at the point where I was working probably 80 hours a week. Uh, I, well, I was at the point where if I was awake, I was working. That was the norm for me. Like People like, you're always working. And I said, yep. And they said, well, when do you take time off? I said, when I sleep. And, and it's, it was no exaggeration. I literally, you know, I'd go upstairs and make a plate for dinner and take it downstairs and eat while I worked. I'd work right through until I couldn't keep my eyes open anymore. It was slugging it out in the trenches day in and day out. Um, but I knew that that absolutely wasn't sustainable. And I knew that was one of the main reasons why my relationship with my wife had fallen apart. Yeah. And I committed to her. I said, I will not do that. I lesson learned, you know, I will, I will make things better. And I knew at that point I had to do something drastic. And, you know, I'd heard about coaching, uh, quite a bit. Um, a lot of people had a lot of success with it. And I kept coming back to E-Myth because I had read the book years and years ago. I read the E-Myth and, um, I really got a lot out of it. And the story for the 1-800-GOT-JUNK guy just kept popping up in my head. And I thought, yeah. you know, if it if it works for a, for a guy in a rusty old pickup truck doing dump <laughs> runs, it's got to work for me, right? Yeah. Even if I don't see, a, you know, a, a half the success that he does, at least I should be able to get my business up and running to a point where I can run it like a normal human being and have a life. Yeah. So, Mary, you get someone showing up on your doorstep, so to speak, who's working 80 plus hours a week, who's taking his plate into the office to eat dinner while he's working. Where do you even start with someone like Jeff? I think my email to Emith actually said, help me. I am in pain. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And he was, and the pain came through so clearly. And that's a really good question. Where do you start? And we just help him 
prioritize and help him get a step back and take a bigger view of what was going on. Sometimes that's the only time he had to work on the business was in our conversations. So that's where we started is just in those moments with, okay, how are you spending your time? How can you get more efficient with that? You know, time management, self-organization. And what, what does that actually look like when you say that you want to try to help him mm. manage his time or see where he's spending his time? What do you mm-hmm. actually have him do? At first, just tell me what he's doing and just simply talk about how is he spending his time? What is he doing? And is that the most productive use of his time? And the conversation, what happens is the conversation just helped helped um, Jeff get a idea of where and how he was spending his time in ways that he wasn't really looking at before. Because mm-hmm. when you're in the trenches in the technician, you don't step back and look at, hey, is this the most productive use of my time? You know, you're just doing it and you're just in there. What was that like for you, Jeff? It, it, you know, it was really, really good. In the beginning, some of the things that we focused on, I felt frustrated about, if I'm being totally honest. And I think that really that was just because of how much overwhelm I, I was feeling and experiencing. And but just that ability to talk to somebody for an hour and, and have someone that's not just going, OK, uh-huh, yeah, not in their head, but actually was able to question me back and say, well, what, it, you know, OK, so tell me about this. And I would tell her about what I was doing. And she would say, you know, what is that costing you? Like, there's got to be better ways of doing this or doing that. Like, it, just having somebody stop you and question you and have you look at things from a different perspective was huge. And I knew that that's what I needed. I knew I needed somebody that would look into my business with, with a vested interest, but from a like a third party standpoint that wasn't caught up in all the chaos and the emotion and mm. and and just to look at it from a very you know, a very, um, just that, that perspective of like, okay, let's analyze this and let's look at what's happening and let's start pulling the big pieces out and dealing with things bit by bit. And that was so helpful. So when you were, when you were running this operation just by yourself, working endlessly, what is it like to then have someone on the outside trying to hold you accountable right? Where, where they now are going to look at what am I doing with my time? You know, it's, it's, it's like having to fill out a log where you're saying what you're eating. And, and sometimes just knowing that I'm going to have to write it down means I'm going to change the behavior that, that I don't want to have to write down that I did. What is that like to have someone know, knowing that someone is going to be there to hold you accountable to what you want to do? It was a little scary, to be honest, just because of how much chaos was happening and how many things were flying at me nonstop every day. But there was also some comfort there that I knew that, you know, the person that I'm working with, they want to see me succeed. They're, it's not coming from a selfish place. It's coming from a giving place. And they want to see me succeed. That's why we're working together. And so that was really comforting. And I mean, I remember times in the beginning where we'd, we'd have our meeting and she's like, so did you get X done? And I'm like, no. And she would lovingly, I, I always tell people that Mary lovingly kicks my ass on a regular basis. And I, and I need that. I, I need someone to kind of just go, why do you keep doing this? And I go, I, I don't know. <laughs> well, let's look into that and let's, let's dig into that a little bit and, and understand like when you do something, there's sure there might be three things that you could be doing, but one of them is your best use of time. And sometimes you can't see that until you have somebody stop you and go, okay, well, if you did it this way instead what would that look like? And you start yeah. thinking about that and you go, oh yeah, 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 I see that now, 
Right. And yeah. so in the beginning, yeah. it was a lot of, it was a lot of sacrifice in the beginning because like I said, I was working if I was awake. So to take an hour out of my day was like everything to me, but I knew I had to do it. Otherwise I was just going to be stuck in the, on that same hamster wheel. Yeah. And Mary, you're helping him see that there's a long-term payout for maybe some short-term discomfort. And in the Emith point of view, there's this concept called double vision. And I know that that was something key to Jeff's progress early on. Can you tell us what it is and how you helped him fight this, this balance between putting out fires short term and, and also looking at the longer term foundational work that you knew he needed to do? Well, sure. And that speaks to what was arising for me as you were talking is the what's really important is why is to question why, like Jeff, Jeff was saying, why am I doing this behavior? Why am I doing this to myself? And then you start to realize, oh, it's not really serving me. And I'm, and rather than just doing it because that's the way you do it, you go, well, maybe I could be doing it a better way and I need to change what I'm doing so I don't stay on the same hamster wheel. And so... When you talk about the double vision, that's exactly what's going on there because Jeff had to keep working on his business, you know, operating, we call it old co and new co, and he had to keep operating old co, of course, but then also having that double vision where you're looking at creating a new business and doing something different and actually making changes. So you have to do both at the same time. You have to keep setting your priorities for what you need to do day to day and keep an eye on the big vision, you know, what changes am I making so that I don't stay on the same hamster wheel and things actually move forward and right. don't go backwards or just stay stuck. So you're having him build new co the, the ideas for the future, the kind of business that he wants to build while at the same time doing the work on his, on old co on the business that he has now. And then, and that's kind of the dual tracking. Yeah, exactly. And it sounds a little crazy because Jeff was already in so much overwhelm. How could I ask him to start thinking about new co when he's just completely in overwhelm with old co? Uh, yeah, Jeff, how <laughs> does she even ask you how to do that? It, well, again, it was it was another thing in the beginning that it was like a tough pill to swallow because I knew that I had to do that in order to change where I was now. But the there was times where the sacrifice in that moment was just, it was so big, you know. Can you like, give me an example of like a, one of those that was particularly tough for you? It, it's funny because it's actually the foundational stuff that really kind of irked me in the beginning, right? <laughs> like it, stuff like our, you know, our brand commitment and our, my vision and um, like the business vision and the purpose statement and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I was just like, oh, I need strategies to help me get stuff done and make more money. But I kept saying to myself, I'm like, this is, you're building the, like right now I'm a total slave to my business, total slave to my business. And if I ever want to get it to the point where my business is serving me, I know I got to start at the foundation. You can't build a skyscraper on a sandy beach. You have to have a solid concrete foundation. And so I knew that it was important, but it, it was, it was tough in the beginning, but I kept just telling myself, like, you're doing this for a reason. You know what you want to create. I, I have always had this vision of what I want my business to look like, but mm -hmm. to get from a to what seemed like triple Z at that point <laughs> was just, I, I didn't know how we were connecting the dots, but taking that time to work on those documents and, and get those foundational pieces in place was so key. 
Mm-hmm. And that's what I so appreciated about Jeff was all that time he could, even though he's overwhelmed in chaos, he got the big picture and he knew he needed to do something different to change things. And he's willing to just do it. And, and he would, he would step in and he would work on his values, passion, purpose piece, and he would work on his vision. He just was willing to do it. You know, I, I start to get this picture in my mind of Mary as the guardian of your of your strategic focus, you know, like making sure that you're, you're constantly keeping some eye at least on that part of your work while you have all the work that you know you need to do. Uh, you know you need to get the work done and get the billable hours billed and, and turn around projects, but that, that hour, those hours that you're on the phone with her and working with her are, are important times to plant seeds that are going to bl- bloom in the future, that are going to be the source of this growth that you've come to experience now, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, like we said, there was, there was times in the beginning where the only time that I spent working on my business rather than in it was during that one hour coaching call. But if I didn't have that, if I didn't have that accountability and knew, Hey, Thursday is coming up and I got to be on that coaching call. And I committed to having you fill in the blank done. I knew that if I didn't get that done, if I didn't have that accountability, I don't, know where I would be today. I probably wouldn't be in business today. I probably would have gave up. I know, Jeff, that a big part of the work that you did together to get past those initial few months in the, in the beginning was a lot, of, a lot of growing personally as a leader. And that there were some ways that you actually, that you were getting in your own way, patterns that were keeping you from your business being able to grow. And you told our team that one of those themes was this addiction to chaos. And I'm wondering what you mean by that and, and what you started doing to change it. That was actually a really in-depth conversation that Mary and I had one day. And the, the story behind that is we had put in a proposal on a, it was a half a million dollar contract, which, I mean, that was more than we were even making in a year at that point. Mm-hmm. And it would have changed our business had we landed it. And I thought, we're going to do whatever it takes to make this happen. And I was busy doing my busy work and I put it off and I put it off to the point where we had one week left to get this proposal in. And I started going into it and I thought, holy fill in the blank with a curse word. There's way more work to do here than what I thought there was going to be. <laughs> and so at that point, I... For a half a million dollar proposal, Jeff? Yeah. Really? Like, go figure, yeah. right? Like, who would have yeah, thought? Right. <laughs> And, uh, so we just started, I put my, I put the pedal to the metal and the nose to the grindstone and it had to be in by Monday at five o'clock. So I worked on it all that previous week. And then I worked literally around the clock on the weekend. I actually pulled an all nighter on Sunday night and I didn't like, I got up, I got up at nine. I had a bite to eat on Sunday morning. I started working. And then when everybody came in the office Monday morning, I had the largest bags under my eyes and I was going on caffeine and everybody walked in and I said, okay, we got to get this proposal done. I need you to do this and this, and I need you to do that and that. Whatever else you had planned to do today, toss it aside. This is the priority. And the thing that really stuck out to me was that Casey, one of our, he was our first employee. Um, I, I really put him in a place that made him extremely uncomfortable and very agitated because the things that I had asked him to do, he had no clue what they were. I didn't even have a clue what it is. And he came to me and said, I don't know what to do here. And I said, you know what? Google it. I, I don't know either, but we got to get it done. And I just sent him on his way because I had tons of other things I had to crank out. Mm-hmm. And he was really like, by the end of the day, he was steaming mad at me. And that it just like when he left, he was like night and left. And I just thought, 
I can't do that anymore. I can't do that to people. And I'm doing it to myself. And what, what I realized in that conversation with Mary is that we actually hit the submit button on that proposal at 4.59 and it had to be in at 5 o'clock. Like mm-hmm. literally 4.59, I got it in 60 seconds mm-hmm. before the cutoff. And it, and it was down to the wire, let me tell you. And when I hit that submit button, I literally leaped out of my chair and put my arms in the sky like I just won the Stanley Cup. I felt so good. I'm like, yes, I did it. I overcame the odds. I succeeded. You know, ha ha world, I'll show you I can do this. I'm this unstoppable entrepreneur and Mm -hmm. I'll defy the odds. And that was what Mary pointed out to me that I'm addicted to is that feeling of I overcame the odds and I succeeded and I did it even when all all the odds were stacked against me and my back was against the wall. And when she said that to me, it stopped me in my path. And I started thinking about it and going through like other times that that had happened to me. And yeah. I thought, yeah, I, I am, I'm totally addicted to that feeling. It's like a huge rush and it's this big feeling of success. It's an, yeah, you get an adrenaline rush f- finishing a project like that in the 11th hour, hopped up on Red Bull, haven't slept all night. Of course, yeah, it, it's, it's empowering. And you raise your hands in the air in, in, in celebration at having an employee of yours walk out with his head hung low, yep. feeling confused and not knowing how. And, and that, that juxtaposition is so, is so intense. How did you bring that to him, Mary? This story was so powerful. And if it had been a, a one-off and this hadn't happened before, I wouldn't have thought so much about it. But it was a repeated pattern. And that's one of the things I watched for as a coach is what... What, um, what are the patterns in this business owner? What's, what keeps happening over and over? And this kept happening. And even though I'd, we talk about it, we talk about time management, we talk about setting priorities, we talk about putting these things in his calendar so we sure they get done and it didn't happen. So here comes the why question again. Right, I had to right. ask why, you know, why? What's going on here? It, we actually went really deep to figure out why that it wasn't a just why is this happening and I came up with the answer I mean we dug into you know tell me about childhood tell me about you know what do your parents think about you being a you know being an entrepreneur and and all these little things just kind of stacked up and you know like because I had hit a point in my business where even family was saying okay it's time to pack it in you know you gave it a go and I was like nope I was too stubborn to quit and it, and I and I got to the point where I started shutting people out in my life and my what was bouncing around in my head was I'll show you. I'll show mm-hmm. you. I'll do this. You watch. And and it was that ingrained uh just program in my brain that was bring and, and it was coming out in the business over and over and I didn't realize that until we stopped and just really dug deep into that and that was a huge pivotal aha moment for me in my business. And as soon as I realized that's what was happening, then we worked together after that to go, well, how do I give myself that same good feeling, but do it so that we're not leaving things to the last minute. And it just, it was creating that new behavior and still giving myself the opportunity to have that same success feeling. Um, yeah. but it changed. And, and that was a huge change in our business. So Mary, you're, you're now helping Jeff become aware of this, of this pattern happening in the business. How do you actually work with someone to make that kind of change? The biggest piece is awareness, because if you don't have awareness of what's going on, you can't make changes. So bringing that awareness 
to Jeff and him really getting that and feeling the impact it had on himself, his life, his business, he realized he doesn't want to do that anymore. So with that awareness, now we talk about steps. Okay, how can you make sure that doesn't happen again? And we come back to priorities and reorienting his relationship to what success is. So rather than needing that chaos to have that feeling of power, just really building a strong, sustainable business is a really powerful thing to do, if I can put it in those words, you know? So now he's got that feeling like, okay, this is what... I really want to do and what really makes me feel like I'm on the right track and I don't need that chaos anymore. I mean, we've been working together for a long time. And if I was to you know, make a top five list of, of big pivotal moments, um, that was one of them. I actually, it, it was quite an emotional session. I, I, there was some tears on my end. And I, I remember telling Mary, I'm like, if, I really wish I could hug you right now because that, that awareness, understanding that about myself and this, we're, we're going, you know, deep into just personal behavior. I mean, it was beyond just business coaching. It was, mm-hmm. it was really deep for me. And I remember saying to her, I'm like, I, I, I feel so empowered now that I'm aware of that. There's another thing that I think is, feels so connected to this, this addiction to chaos, which was that it seems like it's not only limited to the way that you were working, but also the, the kinds of the work that you were taking on. And so at that point, like so many business owners would, it, you were saying yes to literally any kind of project that would come your way. Oh, right? yeah. and, and it seems counterintuitive, but how, how was saying yes to everything that was coming your way actually making you less money? Well, I mean, the major thing was that anything that fell under the umbrella of digital marketing, we would do because we were capable of doing it, not necessarily that we could do it very well. Mm-hmm. And we were taking on all kinds of work from all kinds of clients, you know, like, like what, what were some of the projects that you would oh, do? Oh, we would do, I mean, we did marketing for, we did marketing for a seminar. We would do, we launched uh, a major boot camp for another client Literally everything. I mean, setting up the website, doing landing pages, email blasts, list building, paid advertising, email copywriting. Um, We we even did a webinar. I mean, we just, uh, we were all over the place. And it was just a scramble to make money, right? Like I knew I needed to grow my company and get more people on. And and I was in a really tough position at at that time because I was still in my basement and we were out of room. So I knew like I needed to, I needed to either make a whole bunch of money really quick or land a big client so that I would have enough income, enough revenue to pay for another employee to take workload off as well as get office space. Mm -hmm. So that was a big struggle. So yeah, we were all over the map doing anything for everybody. Mary, how do you start to help him see the cost that he's paying for, for this, this saying yes to everything mentality? It comes down to helping Jeff look at how much time he's spending with these clients and how much money was coming in in return for his time. And this is where he would start to look at what is the value of his time and actually put a monetary number on it, which he did at some point. And it took a bit of a leap of faith for Jeff, too, to, to, to say no and say, you know, it's just not really worth it to serve these clients for many reasons. One, that it wasn't really his target market and what he really wanted to do. And um, there were much more lucrative projects out there that he could actually do better and serve the clients better. And so it 
did take a leap of faith to let go of those that weren't really working. So there was space to say yes to the bigger ones that did work. And that's what happened. So you started out by, I think, first creating some packages, right? That that was the first step in this. So uh, what were they? What, what were your your new packages that you were offering the world? Yeah, so we we knew that there were certain things that we did really, really well. And so um, we created a blogging package and we created a, a social media package with three different levels of service. Um, we standardized our website packages rather than, you know, typically a client would call and I'd talk to them a little bit and try to understand budget and then, you know, just whip up a number out of thin air. I started, I developed a system <laughs> to actually go through and, and, figure out what a website would cost. And, and so that was, that was the first step. And then after doing that, it, it became a lot easier to deal with prospects and, and phone calls at that point too, because you had a set price. Um, mm -hmm. and the other thing that, that, that allowed me to do too was standardize our proposals because that was a nightmare in the beginning. Every single proposal I did was totally unique took like six, four to six hours to do, depending on what was involved. Um, it was just, a, it was crazy. And by creating packages, I could then create proposals for said packages and they were all templated. So wait, 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 can I, I just want to make sure I'm understanding this, right? You would spend four to six hours on the project before you even had the project before you were getting paid for it just yep. to create the proposal. Yep. Wow. Yep. Can <laughs> okay. we say chaos? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, and now you're obviously not anymore. Uh, and, and you've streamlined this process. What, what kind of impact did that have? Just, just this first step of, of putting packages out there. What kind of impact did that have on the rest of your team and your business overall? Well, that was the first step towards developing systems because when everything that you do is completely one off and you may or may not ever do it again, you can't systemize that yet. Well, I mean, you could, but you don't know if you're ever going to use it again. We were all yeah. over the map. And so just, but just in doing that, I was like, okay, then we have a blogging package. So what are the steps involved with, you know, getting the information that we need from a client to develop their content strategy and then to start creating blog posts. So we could actually come up with, you know, step one is this, step two is mm -hmm. that. So that was really, really big. And that, that not only uh, made it dealing with prospects a lot easier, but it also helped streamline um, Serena and Casey's jobs as well, because now that the, now there was some sense of normal, like this is a process that we do now. And you didn't stop there necessarily. You kept going. And I mean, ev eventually now you're at a place where you not only have really one focused product, but also a pretty well-defined market that you're trying to serve, a defined customer base. How did you get to that next stage of this, of this process? Well, part of what we... Part of what we realized was that when you start bundling these packages that we had together you'd really amplify your results. And I, I ended up trading some services to sponsor an event and met a gentleman named uh, Brent at this event. And him and I started working on doing digital marketing for a uh, downtown condo. And mm -hmm. they had a really good budget to work with. It was one of our larger clients at the time, which was great from a cash flow standpoint. Um, and so we bundled together a bunch of our packages and 
just the results that we saw were just off the charts. I mean, it was, it was really mind numbing how well it worked. So we just, we started to change the way that we did business and, and got to the point where we were only offering the services now while they were bundled together. But with the way that we're doing marketing now, we can actually measure and give our clients a marketing return on investment. You give us X for retainer, we provide X for net profit. And you're stating that at the beginning of these engagements, you're, you're guaranteeing that? Now we do. Hmm. Yep. And like what we really understood when we started putting these packages together was that there was a whole formula for how all this stuff all worked together. Mm -hmm. The other thing that that allowed us to do was start saying no to clients, you know, or potential clients. Somebody would call and say, well, I just want this or I want that. And I would say, you know, I'm I'm not, I don't think I'm the right guy for you. I I don't think that that what, what I could, what I could provide for you with the budget you have, I don't believe is going to work. And if I'm not a hundred percent convinced that I can get results for you, then I don't want to work with you because I don't want to let you down. But wait, wait, wait. So, so the same person who not, 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 but a few years ago was sitting in his basement and saying yes to everything and working 80 hours a week to do it. You start turning away business at the door saying, nope, sorry, I'm not your man. Yep. I, I probably turn away 75% of the people that call us on a day-to-day basis. Wow. Yeah. How does that feel? It feels amazing. <laughs> it was, uh, <laughs> it, it, and again, like Mary was the one that encouraged me to try that the first time. And I, I remember telling her, that's another conversation I remember very clearly. Like, Mary, I can't let this client go because I won't have enough revenue to cover all my expenses at the end of the mm-hmm. month. And she said, but look at how much time it's consuming. If you let go of that revenue, look at how much time you're going to free up. Do you think that you can find another client that's not going to require as much time that's going to generate as much or more revenue. And I said, well, maybe, I don't know. And she said, I just encourage you to try it. Just Mm -hmm. try it. And I said, it's scary, Mary. (laughs) And she said, yes, it is, (laughs) but you need to try it. And so I did it. And lo and behold, within three weeks, replaced that client. And we were making twice as much revenue from them with the same amount of work. And I just thought, okay, here we go. We're only getting started with Jeff's story. Join us next time for part two to hear how Jeff defined his brand, got his team on board, and went about building a culture that got his employees saying things like this. After two weeks of working there, she said it's the best place she's ever worked. Thanks for listening to On It by Emith. If you like the show, don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes or a like on SoundCloud. And as always, you can schedule a free one-hour session with an Emith coach at emith.com slash free session. That's E-M-Y-T-H dot com slash free session.